test. Oh yeah, this is way louder. This sounds way better. Did you play with the buttons on this? I didn't touch them. I should just quit my job and do podcasts full time, huh? I'm so good at this. Pretty amazing. This sucks. Hang on. Okay. All right, we'll just go with it. So where to begin? Well, so first of all, I just want to congratulate you on that episode you did all by yourself. It Thank was, you. No, I'm a big boy now. I'm doing my own episodes. It was it was surprisingly good. Well, you know, it's like you weren't there weighing me down. You know, I didn't I didn't have to carry the you know the entertainment factor on my back. Uh, you know, well, uh, I don't know. I, I appreciate you have you know you being here, but you know, in kind of a condescending way. I know deep down that I'll do a Simon Garfunkel on you one of these days and just have it be my podcast. But you yeah. know. And I'll get booted someday, but just to be clear, you're Art Garfunkel in that metaphor. Okay. <laughs> so anyhow, there was just um, I just wanted to kind of add, not not necessarily take away from any of any any of the wonderful things you said. I just kind of wanted to add to the Lee McCormick thing where you mentioned, um, you know, lowering your stem, and and basically that's to help make your bike be the right size for you because if you have a bike that's too big for a rider. They, you're very limited in the amount of movement you can do, um, and and so for instance, you know if you're if you have like a really short rider on a really large bike, when they go off a drop, they they have very little movement in their arms. They can go off a very very small drop safely. If the bike's the right size, you have you have a lot of movement in your arms, which makes it you you can go down a steeper, bigger drop safely, and. Um, and that's that was the purpose of of him recommending shorter stems and and fewer spacers and so forth. Um, to to be clear, I I knew that I had so many different notes I wanted to mention on every single thing. If you listen to the podcast and you're like, oh Joe, you've got to mention this, you've got to mention this. You know, I was trying to cram a lifetime's worth of nerdiness into thirty minutes. So like, you know, I go, just, go a little easy on me. But I just had FOMO because I couldn't be there. So. Well, you know, that's why it was good. So okay. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing I wanted to mention too was thanks to all the all the people on the team that have asked us questions. Um, it gives us great idea for future episodes. So keep keep sending those in. Keep asking questions. Um, if you happen to have low enough standards to enjoy this podcast, give us a give us a good rating. That'll help more people be able to find it easier. Um, click the little subscribe button, you know, do, do whatever you can pump up our egos a little bit, you know, we, we won't hate you for that. And you can tell us that you did and then we'll like you more. Yeah. It's you know? kind of a little serotonin rush. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's great. You know, like, uh, you know, the hollowing empty chasm that is my life needed a podcast. And if more people rate it, I'll feel better about myself. So yeah, no pressure though. Yeah. Don't know how to follow that. Huh? All right, Dan, what are we talking about today? Well, today I had... Two main things I want to talk about. First, I just wanted to, I just got back from, from Nationals in Winter Park, and I just wanted to talk about that experience a little bit. It was a super cool experience. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, transitioning from doing Nationals to NICA. So kind of a weird spot in the season for a lot of people. I think a lot of people kind of get lost. You know, they get over that one big hump, the one big A race, and then not really entirely sure what to do with yourself where NICA is still 
still a few weeks off. You know, I think some people feel rushed. Some people feel like it's, you know, not enough. You know, I think other people feel like it's way too much time. They're not going to fill it. So, like, you know. Well, and July is just kind of a tough time of the year anyway. I think a lot of people, I mean, if you're going to experience a little a little functional burnout, it's probably going to be in July just because it's a hotter month. You've been doing it for so long. So July is just kind of an interesting month on the bike anyway. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about nationals at winter park. First, I just want to tell a little story about, you know, a few years before I, you know, when I, when I first was starting Maybird, I was driving past a gas station and I saw the summit van with bikes on top of it and had a whole bunch of summit kids, just some of the best Nike riders at the, at that time were in that van and they just looked like they were having so much fun. And I just remember thinking how bad that someday I wanted to, to get a van and have some kids and take them. I'm so sorry. You just said how bad someday I wanted to have a van and fill it up with kids and you know, like other people's kids. Yeah, that makes it better. There you go. <laughs> That's the problem with kidnapping, right? You know, glad we figured that one out. No, it just looked like it is. Just, I just thought it was just something I just really wanted to do. Be able to just take, have a big unmarked take, white van full of teenagers and lycra. Take a Perfect. group. Take a group to these national races. I think it just sounded like such an awesome experience. And and so for me, it's just so cool to be able to do that with our team and and provide that experience. Um, so. So yeah, I don't know, really know where to start. It was just, a, it was an amazing experience. We had, so about, I'd say 19, 20 racers total came, which is a ton. We were really, really well represented. I saw Maybird jerseys, kits, t-shirts all over the place. Um, really good presence there. Uh, I'd say, you know, one of, one of I don't know, a, a decent sized team there for sure. So about... We took with with us that traveled with the team in our van. We had about uh, there were about eight of us that went, and the rest just traveled with their families. Just kind of as like they kind of treated as like a family vacation, and they just stay with their families. But we tried to, yeah, we tried to meet up as as much as we could, hang out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was it was super fun. So the um, the boys. The men, 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, those two different groups had, I know 17 and 18, I think there were, there were so many people that I think there were about 180 riders registered to race. 180? 180. Oh my gosh. So for, for reference, like the, the, I've only done nationals once. It was in 2016. There was no qualifier. And I think there were maybe 90 kids in the group which felt huge right so like just in a few years to double that is that's insane yeah that's it, nuts it was insane and so they have a rule where they can only have 120 racers on course at, in, a, in a race at a time so what they did is they they had qualifier races where they had they had 90 kids in the first qualifier race and 90 kids in the second qualifier race and and in theory, they took the top 60 from each group to get the 120 that are allowed to race. Um, but they do have a kind of obscure rule where if, if you're a rider that has UCI points, which means you competed at a very high level successfully, 
and, and let's just be clear, which also means you're rich, that you've been able to travel to a whole bunch of races. Yeah, it's, you know. it's difficult to get UCI points. We do have some riders on our team that have UCI points, but that is, it's not a whole lot of people have them. It's difficult. You have to, um, we could do a whole podcast on qualifying for national races and UCI points and all that. But oh, that would be riveting. Wow. <laughs> that would be so exciting. Um, but so the, the so any, if a kid had UCI points, they're a protected rider, which means like during the qualifying race, if they were to have a mechanical, as long as they finish, they could, they would still race. So, so we had, um, our, our, our riders did the qualifying race and we had one rider come in 57th out of, and 60 is the cutoff. And we had another rider come in at 60th. So in the, and then in the other race, the other qualifying race, we had a rider come in at 60th. And so we had three riders that were just right on the border of, of being able to, to actually qualify for racing nationals. Um, and, but it turns out that apparently at least three UCI racers had a mechanical or had a bad race or something and came in after that were protected and got to take these rider spots. So they just barely got bumped, barely couldn't compete. And it was, that sucks. That sucks. That it was sucks. Sad. But they were super cool about it. I mean, they were, they had good spirits and they're cool kids. And you know, they, they were, I mean, the qualifying race was brutal. Like just that qualifying race alone. Um, it was like a 45 minute race, but yeah, but they, they just do two qualifiers. And then the top two, the winners of the two qualifiers, should have a head-to-head one-lap race for the Nationals jersey. That's my proposal for how to fix this. Yeah. You know, and it, I, I think the way they do it's about as fair as it can be, you know. Yeah, I mean, because we say, oh, that's like whatever. I'm trying to think, like, what would work better? I'm like, having fewer kids. And, you know, I think once you start saying fewer kids should be riding bikes, you've probably gone wrong. So, I mean, the thing is with the point system, I mean, that gives, like, the riders that do all the national races – um, that travel a lot, that do, they, they get, they move up in the rankings and they get better starts, positions, um, you know, and, and only limiting nationals to those with, with certain number of points or whatever would really kind of eliminate the chances for the kid that can't do all the traveling, wants to do nationals. Uh, I think the qualifier races at least gives that person a chance to, you know, if they're good enough, they'll, they'll, they could do miraculous things and and end up having an okay race at nationals. Um, but the uh, so for the qualifying race, they they based where you started on the qualifying race based on UCI points and then USAC points. Um, these kids that that got cut, they all started in the hundreds. I mean, they were like in the nineties or hundreds, and and were able to pass like thirty people in the qualifying race, and then still not be able to, to so do. like if you've never done a mountain bike race and you're if your kids got into this you never got to race you've ever what like just passing 30 people in a race is ridiculous oh it's insane that's insane Pass- especially at nationals when yeah. everybody thinks they're gonna win and it's i mean all these kids are just totally yeah. cracked so for up. these kids None to start for these kids to start at the back and make it from like 90th to 60th in the qualifying race is still really cool so uh but obviously they were they were obviously a little disappointed and um but, you know, being at Nationals was, 
was just a cool experience. I, a lot of people there, um, a lot of excitement. And I just remember walking around seeing all these really, really fast looking kids on bikes from all over the nation. But then it's cool to think that our riders do fine compared to them. You know, they, they, they hold their own. You know, like yeah. it is not an exaggeration to say that the athletes we're working with are some of the best in the country, right? And if you said these basketball players I'm working with are the best in the country, or these football players I'm working with are the best in the country, that's a big deal, right? The fact, I mean, we're in cycling, right? Which is different, but like I, I think we should, I think you know, this team should be proud of itself. You like, know, yeah. You know, I and, mean, and, we are all. I mean, we obviously weren't the best, but we are very competitive and and deserve to be there. Yeah, so, oh, 100%. Um, but, you know, and, and kudos to these these kids that do these national races because I can see that being extremely, just being really nervous. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a brave thing to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, it's like, it's, it's unpleasant, if we're honest. You know, I don't think a lot of kids absolutely love this pressure. I mean, they're out there, but like, I think for the most part, the kids who are doing this, like, that's a pretty mature thing to be able to put yourself through and, and not, you know, absolutely crack under the pressure. Like that's, that's impressive. Yeah. And for those who do, like for me, like I couldn't handle this much nationals racing. It doesn't mean you're a bad cyclist or something. That's just like, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. I think for a lot of these kids, they kind of tie their self-worth into it too. So like, you know, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's awesome that they at least even have the courage to show up and, and throw their hat into that ring. Um, it's, it's really cool. I, I will just just as a side note. I don't. I think the national races personally are more fun than the Nike races. They're actually a little more chill. The talent level is is I would say better, but less spread out. You know, um, like if you're a good JVA or varsity racer, you'd fit in just fine. Um, you know, you might you wouldn't be on the tippy top end of talent there, but if you're a good podium varsity racer doing the national races you'd be, you'd well, be great. you have to remember too that like the top end of these races are, are world cup athletes you know like bjorn riley Braden johnson like these guys they race world cups like they are yeah the kids that win these races go on to, to and, the, and the kids that yeah they're like they they basically get to live the life of a professional cyclist you know they 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 train and then recover then eat then train recover eat train, yeah that's that their eight hour a day job yeah. you know is is, is to, yeah, which is and and like to think that you can be in the mix with those guys is cool. So bravo to everyone. Super, super impressive. Yeah. And I, we had a lot, I, like I say, pretty much, you know, we had a few kids that had mechanicals that had to run. You know, I know Ellie Creech had to run in the last mile of her race, but was able to finish and, and, and bravo. Did, yeah. That's, bravo. I think it's so awesome. That, so awesome. That always gives me the chills when I see that. We had another kid that uh, broke a chain ring and ran in and broke a chain ring. Mm-hmm. How'd you do that? I'm assuming he smacked it on a rock. Nah, we'll just say too much power. Okay, too much power. Just it, ripped it apart. I'm thinking the rock. So, um, you know, but you know, and I don't. I can't really go over everyone's result, but I, you know, everyone that was there worked hard to get there. Did awesome and had fun. We had so much fun. I this this group I traveled with this time was they were just, as far as I know, they were good kids. Um, they were super helpful, polite, and and it was fun. It was fun for me. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, you know, but there are a few races I just wanted to kind of talk about because I can't really mention them all specifically. Um, one, it, you know, it was just kind of fun. I ran into Lauren Montague and her parents, and she had there was a rock garden out there that 
I'll be honest, I, I'd be a little, I don't know if I could write it. You know, it, it was way above a NICA level. You make that sound like that's this ridiculously high bar, you know, yeah. like I'm sure it was fine. Yeah, it was probably fine. No, but it, it and, and, and even like watching people practice this rock garden, because it was a pretty steep rock garden that they would go down. And a lot of people would stumble on it. Like a lot of people just didn't think they were going to do it. And um, I ran into, on the way back to the tent, I ran into Lauren and her parents, and she was just grinning ear to ear because she rode the rock garden. And it was just so cool that she was able to do that. And she did it in the race. A lot of people during the race walked it. And, you know, she was able to ride it. And she just made her so happy. And, um, you know, it was exciting. Um, the uh, the 17 and 18, which is normally a UCI category, it, the talent there was just unbelievable. 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 And it keeps getting better and better. And uh, Isaac Zabriskie, he had a goal, which which is a reach goal to be in the top 10. And that's a super reach goal. That's, yeah, that's that's insane. That's super intense. Yeah, and 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 Tate Larkin had a goal to be in the top twenty, and my goodness, they both did it. It was so cool. Like, like Isaac Isaac got tenth, Tate got nineteenth, and I just wanted to point something out about those two. Is those two are living proof that if you're willing to dedicate yourself and work your butt off, it's just amazing what's possible. Those kids have just, they've worked so hard and to be able to perform that well on that level was just, just amazing to see. And to be one of the top 10 or 20 best at your sport in the United States of America. Yeah. Because that, that's what this is. That, that is amazing. That's absolutely incredible. Like that's um, a lifetime achievement. You know, and um, Bill Harris once said something to me and I don't know where he got it from, but I'm going to give him credit for saying it. He said, you know, if you want to be an extraordinary athlete, you have to be willing to do things other people aren't willing to do. And and I would say Tate and Isaac are examples of that. You know, they, they work their butts off. They, they follow strict training. They eat healthy. They get to bed on time. They, they do things a lot of teenagers just aren't willing to do. Um, so that was super awesome. Uh, Joe Cochran had... He was he was ready for this race. He has fantastic fitness. He has just been just flying lately. And he so let me back up just a little bit. So starts in a cross country race are just critical. Like it and in fact with the national races, like to be able to start at the front of a group of 120 people is Needless to say, an enormous advantage. A ridiculous advantage. In fact, you really don't have a chance of winning unless you're in the front couple rows. I, I, I do think that's true. Like, if somebody won a cross-country race starting in the last couple of rows, like, that would be... It's impossible. It's it's close, genuinely close to impossible. Yeah. And, and to get up onto the front few rows in these races, you have to do... You know, it just takes several years of attending many of these out-of-state, sometimes even out-of-country races to get your ranking high enough that you can start in the first few rows. And it takes, you know, and it takes several races to do that and so, you know, several very successful races to move your way up. And 
And once you move your way up, you've got this huge advantage starting in the first couple rows because there's, you know, there's a hundred kids behind you and you only have this little group you have to worry about. Um, and the thing is too, is starting in the back is, you know, it takes so much more energy to pass somebody. Like every person you have to pass, you're basically burning a little match. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a little miniature sprint you have to do. And again, like if you've never done a cross country race before, like you don't just pass someone because you're going a little faster than them. Passing them is an event. You know, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You have to plan for it. You have to choose when you're going to do it. Passing people is risky. You usually have to go off trail to do it. Like, it is so much harder than you think to get to the front of one of these races. Yeah. So as you all know, that's kind of like the, the main strategy of cross-country racing is you you want to start towards the front and you want to get to like a scene wherever the single track or the bottleneck is before everybody else. And, and that's kind of the, the, well, and it's also in youth racing too. Like, like if, if, if you watch the pro men, it's almost like they're fencing, right? In this metaphor, the pro men are fencing. The, the young men are beating each other to death with sticks, right? It isn't, it's like, there's, it's this insanely brutal, frantic, you know, like, like when you watch the pro men, there's like, strategy going on and there's kind of groups that form and they're very like deliberate with their attack and stuff <laughs> the 17 18 guys it, it, it it's insane you know like it's just this insane mad dash people doing crazy moves to get around each other people crashing right and left like you know it's it's a really stressful thing to watch let alone be in you know and it's not just true of the men that's true of the, the girls too but like you know so pretty much about half of the, the starts in the cross-country races at nationals there's at least a little pile up somewhere. And and Joe Cochran had a decent starting position. Um, he did okay in the, in the qualifier, had a decent, but there was a crash and he was right up there in it and couldn't get out of it for tied up. I had hiked up the hill ways to kind of watch the start. He was, when he passed me, he was probably in 105th place, 115th place, around 110th place. Um, and he just looked, he was, he was mad. He just was not happy. He was just shaking his head. And, and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. It's rough mentally to start a race that way too because to go and suffer for a top 20 is different than suffering to get back to where you started. Like that is not yeah. fun, you know. Yeah, start, yeah. so he was, he was basically starting at the back. Um, you know, and then when I, I go over to the feed zone and in the first lap he had – he had managed to claw his way back to about 40th place in the first lap, which... Wow. Without even running Aspens, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he did it on his Kendas even. That's in, wow. 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 With that handicap, wow. Just <laughs> mad impressive. Huge dub for Joe. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so he, he, he clawed back almost like 60 places in his first lap. But I think he burned a lot of matches. Um, oh, yeah. After that, I mean, there's only so much you can do after yeah, that. I mean, at that point. Each time you're passing a rider, you're burning a match. He, <laughs> you you pass 60 guys in the front lap, you go into limp home mode for the rest of the race. There's not a whole lot you can do. You know, and I, I think he I think he struggled a little second lap, but then pulled off an amazing third lap. And, you know, and he ended up he ended up in the 30s. What? To, and to finish better than your start position after dropping back that far. Yeah. That was... and, but then you torture yourself like, oh, man, what if I hadn't crashed? Yeah. We... So, you know, his, he looked awesome. His fitness was awesome. He was doing great, you know, but that's just racing. That stuff happens. But I think like the last episode we, we did together about the TBY, I, I think that's just what he was doing the whole time. It's just, just like staring at his bibs. 
Yeah, just like, you know, I'm just going to give this my all. And, and you know, it, it was super cool to see. But um, we, we just had a lot of great performance, a lot of great racers. Sienna did great. Um, Colin De, Gar De La Garza had a great race. And he just, the second he finished his race, he wanted to go enter another one. And God, what a nut job. Yeah, he's... I finish a race and I'm like, well, I'm done bicycle riding. I'm going to take up chess. Yeah. You know, like there's no way I'd go up and sign up for another race. You guys so, are animals. Yeah, it was it was super cool experience. We had so much fun. Just so proud of this team. And but yeah, um, so so I just kind of want to talk real quick about just kind of that transition between peaking for nationals and and getting ready to move on to to the Nike season. I know. You know, I, I know a lot of people don't really want to do nationals because they focus on, you know, they focus more on NICA. And then there's some vice versa that nationals is a bigger deal than NICA. But a lot, most kids probably would rather focus on NICA. And so they don't really want to necessarily do nationals. But I actually think it's almost better to kind of split your season up into multiple peaks. Why is that? Well, because otherwise you would be... I mean, you'd be, if you start training in like, you know, most kids probably start training in like March. There's some kids that even do, do it through the winter. Um, you know, if you were just, if you were just doing your base fitness from then until NICA, you know, that's like, it's like five or six months of base when you're really only going to be progressing through about three of those months, then just be stagnant for the others. You know, so I think it's better to do, you know, like your two, two, maybe three months of base, then build up for something, recover, go back to base, build up for something again, and recover. And this is interesting. Will you commit to this? Will you say on the record, all of these riders can handle a two peak season? Well, if they, if they recover and do it right, you know, if, yeah. I mean, there's obviously some kids don't get enough recovery and, and end up being burnt out for one of the other races, but not me, you know, <laughs> that was never me. That doesn't yeah. sound familiar. Yeah. You wouldn't know what I'm talking yeah, about. No, no idea. No clue. Yeah. Cause, cause really, you know, like, like we mentioned in one of our university of Maybirds about, you know, residual fitness, you know, certain types of fitness we develop can only, only take so a, a certain amount of time to develop and you can only maintain it for so long. You know, so if you're just trying to do base all season and build before Nike, but what I really think most kids do is just try and build the entire season and hopefully they're not overtrained by Nike, which I think is what really ends up happening a lot of times. Um, yeah, you, do, you do see that a lot. I think a lot of these kids that I know are really good. I watch them at Nike and it's like, you're on your knees, man. You know, like it seems like you've done too much without giving yourself enough time to, to kind of come back from it, you know? Yeah. You know, and the, the two mistakes that I think are made is one, not taking enough breaks, and two is just building for too long. Like a good a good build is between six and ten weeks. I usually do eight, and I think ten is about the most you can handle. Usually around ten you start risking a little bit of burnout or overtraining. And you know, the Nike State Championship is like like the fourth week in October. Which is late. Yeah, that's a long time away. And so really to start building for that, 
you really start your build about the time of the first Nike race, which is the fourth week of August. And I don't. Th I think most people are building way before then. Oh you know, they're, yeah, they're, and then by states, you're 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 toast. You're, you're toast. And it's like I think people kind of read too much into that first Nike. Like it's not uncommon to see some no name win the first Nike race who's just absolutely flying, and then you're like, whoa, who's this kid? I've never heard of him. And then by race three, race four, states, this same kid's back in the twenties. You know, yeah. like you you probably can't be at your best for the whole Nike season. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Yeah, if you are, you're probably not as good as you could have been at certain times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to peak for the first Nike race, let me know. We can make that happen. But usually you don't want to do that. Hey, you get a leader's jersey. It's kind of like winning the first stage of the tour. You know, you're guaranteed the yellow jersey, right? You know, so, hey, if that's what you want to do, call Dan and I. We'll, we'll make it happen. But Yeah, so going from, from racing nationals to Nike... The time is a little bit compressed. It's not ideal. I kind of wish maybe Nationals was a little earlier, Nike was a little later, but it actually works out pretty good still. But step one, for those that race Nationals, I, I really, really want you to take just a week off, like a good, solid, actual week off with your feet up, watching movies, eating good, healthy food, getting not going on 10 mile hikes. Like, yeah, I know some people that go backpacking during their week off or, and, and this is different than a normal recovery, like normal recovery weeks, you know, you do recovery rides and you just kind of take it easier. But this is like, you just, it's just kind of a hard reset. You know, you take a week off the bike to just, it just freshens your mind a little bit. Hopefully my hope is that you kind of end this week really, really wanting to get back on your bike again. Oh yeah, like 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 true. I, I don't, don't think about the bike. Don't check cycling news and bike radar in the morning. You know, stay off Instagram. Like you know, take the time to do other things in your life, and then you realize how much other things in your life suck, and you want to get back on the bike. That's the goal here. Yeah. So hopefully, by the time the week's over, you're you're excited to get back on your bike. I don't like it when kids take two weeks off because, like, taking a week off, you lose basically no fitness. Taking two weeks off, you do lose fitness, and and you'll notice it. Um, and if you take more than a week off, it can be a little bit discouraging getting back on your bike. You're going to feel slow. You're not going to feel good, but just be patient. It'll come back. Just know that, you know, after a couple of weeks, you'll be feeling better, but do know that if you take a lot of time off, it is a little bit harder to get back on. So just kind of setting be, yourself up for a bit of a mental struggle there if you do that. Yeah, a little bit, but it's okay. I mean, it may, maybe you need the more time, the extra time. Um, so, you know, and it's been funny. I've like today I've had two kids that I've told to take a mid-season break. They've been begging me to. I've got a long ride coming on Monday. They want to do that. I've got. Um, they've been begging me to grant them permission to ride this way. I'm like, no, you know what? I want you to be hungry when you get back on the bike. So, it's just a week. You're not going to lose any fitness. You're just going to gain a little bit of mental freshness and hopefully some more. It'll be more fun when you get back on the bike. So midweek breaks, great idea. Don't cheat them. Mid-season breaks, Dan. What did I call them? Midweek breaks. Okay. Those... Every Wednesday, no riding on Wednesdays. Midweek okay. break. Midweek breaks are probably good too. But I meant road bikes on Wednesdays. I meant, I meant mid-season breaks. So um, so then after that, and you know, that would probably be, you know, it's like this, the last week of July, um, which gives you a couple weeks to go back to base fitness and you probably only have a week or two of this before you might start 
building up for you know because you don't want to show up ready for that first race you know yeah because you don't want to have a really bad first race because then you're going to be competing with or dealing with like bad start position mm-hmm. you know you need to have a decent first race we should say we don't want to be like oh the first race is whatever figure I figure it out later because like in Nike races if you're starting at the back you're shafted like that's really I mean you think it's hard at nationals I think it's worse than Nike. I think Nike is even less. But it's easier to get brutal. to the front at Nike than at national races. That is kind of true. Yeah, that is so, kind of true. Yeah, you can have a good, ra- a good Nike race right up at the front. Yeah. So, but anyhow, um, yeah. So you're gonna have about two weeks where you're mostly focusing on base fitness and any intensity that you do. I would suggest that just be sweet spot or tempo. Um, so it's it's all sub threshold training, and my. Th- my thinking for most kids, especially kids that are like really competitive and want to be kind of top tier, I would probably make those two weeks super high volume, like maybe maybe even shock the system a little bit high volume. It's just a lot of endurance training for those couple weeks, you know, with, with, with little to no intensity other than sweet spot. And then after that, um, to kind of get you ready for the NICA season, I would probably practice a few race starts, um, just so your body's not in too much of a shock when you when you go start a Nike race, and then some thirty by thirties, which, you know, I I'm a huge fan of thirty by thirties. I think most coaches are. Um, they're just a great way to get some intensity, and in that's not too stressful. You recover quickly from them, but it there seems to be a pretty quick change in your you know your maximum aerobic fitness that you could notice in time for the races. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I would do the transition from from peaking for nationals, taking a, a reset week, and then just trying to rebuild some some aerobic engine. And then you would introduce the, you know, some 30 by 30 type intensity. Just and this this is just like a week or two before your first race probably for most people. Um, so, and a really quick note, I, I'd actually like to double down on, on race starts. I think this is, a, a weak link for a lot of people. And, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think a race start interval or race start practice should just be a 30 second sprint. I think you should try a 30 second sprint and then five hard minutes after that. Cause I think a lot of people will go crazy off the line and then pop as soon as they have to settle into a rhythm you know it's like starting a race isn't just sprinting starting a race is sprinting and then being able to successfully transition from a sprint to the actual race i I think there's something to be said there yeah thanks for clear because usually when i assign like a race start workout i'll usually have them do about five five efforts where they'll they'll do one minute all out and then they settle into like a tempo place for five minutes and then they recover for 10 and then repeat that, you know, four or five times until they just, until they start to suck. So yeah, that, that's, that's good to get at least a couple, you know, a session of those in before your first Nike race. But, but yeah, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think that if done properly and you do take care of yourself and you periodize and plan out your season right, I think a two peak season is superior than than just either building all season or just doing base all season than than going into Nike. So yeah, and hopefully, and I I think we're setting ourselves up for really good Nike. I mean, how many different high schools are represented in Maybrook right now? 
I have not like a lot. Like a lot, like most high schools, you know. Like so, I'm 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 looking forward to you know uh, seeing Maybrid Riders represent everyone. Wear your Maybrid socks, you know. <laughs> we we've thought about doing something like that in the past, but I haven't had the guts to do it yet. But but yeah, I think I think we'll be setting ourselves up. What are the what are the races this year? For, I guess we have different yeah, divisions though. Huh? Yeah, they're different for different people. But... Okay, nothing matters. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine. Just show up to your your race and do your JV B one D C five and you know whatever it is these days. But you know and. And if anyone has any questions about like, you know, if you're, if you're feeling like you're not getting better or you feel like things aren't fun anymore, or you feel like you're struggling or just any questions whatsoever, just don't ever hesitate to reach out and ask one of us, you know, we'd love to help you out. So, and again, if there's something you'd like to see explored on the podcast, let me know again, uh, either let Dan know, email me at Joe Draper 98 at Gmail. And, uh, yeah, we've got a couple things. I think we've got a nutrition episode we'll be doing soon. Uh, I want to do more tech stuff, so hit me with your tech questions. Um, also, down if anybody wants to hear, and I, I doubt they will, but I'm gonna throw it out of there. Anyone wants to hear about like professional road cycling or anything like that? If anybody wants to digest the tour and there's demand for that, let us know what you want to hear, and we will make it happen. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon, folks. <laughs>